welcome to the show called Let's Talk Homeschool. I'm Davis, and I'm with my lovely wife, Rachel, and we are your hosts. This is the show where we talk about everything homeschooling. The how, what, when, where, and why, and I'm going to include who. That's you. We want to affirm and encourage, challenge, and inspire you in this adventure of a lifetime, and we want to celebrate everything you get to experience along the way. This podcast is sponsored by Apologia Educational Ministries. Go to Apologia.com, a great place to explore creation. Today's show is titled, Four Signs of a Successful Education. Okay, Rachel, let's talk homeschool. So we you know, listed that this is a show about the who, what, when, where, and why, and how of home education. We talk a lot about why, uh, but we want to talk about some of the what. So when your child graduates, or when anybody graduates from high school, then they're off to the next step. They might go to college, they might go to vocational school, they might go, might go right into a job somewhere. But how can you tell if they've had a good education up to that point? And that's what we're going to look at. We have four signs, as we call them, that we believe if you examined or assessed a high school graduate, if they had these four signs, if these four things were true for them, we would say they had a successful education. So what are those? <laughs> okay, so I just, you're, you're saying all your stuff, and I'm sitting here going, I know, I know, pick me. The person who's had a successful educational experience, K through 12, has no visible sign of being systematically tortured by the institution that they graduated <laughs> from. How's that for a definition? That's Be- one way to describe it. Well, because I really do believe that that is one of the huge issues that we're having now in terms of those students that are graduating. So, okay, some level of success, they're getting a diploma, which has been brutally redefined in several different states. You can get a diploma now for just showing up a certain number of days, which is probably a discussion for another podcast. But my point is you've got, you've got many, many, many students who have received a high school diploma, but they have been brutalized by the institution and the process And we are rejecting that standard. We are saying here today, hereby and forever, that is not the objective, that they just merely get a piece of paper and you're marking it off. They graduated and they were brutalized and they hated it. That that's not that's not what we're going for. No, if your kid if your kid hated school. I can tell you right now, it violates one of our four signs. They did not have a successful education if they hated, hated school. You know, I ta- I, one of my favorite people when it comes to homeschooling, one of my homeschool heroes way back in the day, I remember sitting and listening in at one or two conferences to the voice of Deborah Bell, and she just inspired me from beginning to end, and she talked about the whole idea of raising So Deb Bell, I remember she was the first one I heard talk about this phrase of raising independent learners, students who took responsibility for their own education. So she talked about laying the groundwork in the elementary years, teaching them how to read and write and investigate. But the the key in, in retrospectively, when I think back on it, was obviously reading and writing. Those are really foundational. 
But the other part was really fanning the flame of their curiosity. And she would talk about how kids come curious. They come just with all this wonderment and all this awe and all these whys. Why does it happen? How does that happen? What happened here? Who did this? You know, we've got three little grandkids now. And when they visit, you and I spend a lot of our time answering <laughs> a lot of those questions. The curiosity is, the, is beautiful. It's huge. And some of the questions that they ask, the duh factors over the moon, right? And we know this, and it's a walk in the park. And so some of their questions you can put into maybe we can boil it down to only two categories. One is they legitimately are curious, but the other part of it is that they want to have a conversation. So, But this curiosity, Deborah Bell talked about how they come curious, and one of our jobs is to fan the flames of those curiosities instead of trying to douse them and put it out and hope that we can give an answer to shut them up so they won't ask any more questions. The whole objective is that they would become more curious and that we would give them the tools that they need to chase that curiosity, to investigate, to research, to read, to write about those things that they are so curious about. And so that's what we're talking about in terms right. of an education. That's what we want to do. Yeah, and you even mentioned reading, writing. You didn't say arithmetic, but the, you know, the original three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Exactly. And, of course, in the craziness and the trends going the wrong way, that the three R's turned into rebellion relativism and R-rated lifestyles. And of course, it's much worse now. I need to come up with three new R's to describe where we are in 2022 because it's crazy. I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to even hear those well, three yeah, R's. Those are bad be, enough right there. It would be bad. Yeah. So we just finished our 26th and final year of home education. We graduated our seventh, our youngest, uh, our nest is now empty. But one of the things you find and you feel as you have all this responsibility as a homeschool parent is you, you want to try and squeeze it all in. Yeah. And then there's that r- r- practical realization that you're not going to fit it all in. You can't. Well, that ties into one of our four signs as well. So wh- what do you do with this limited time and a limited practicality of what you need to prioritize. So, so let's get to that first sign of a successful uh, education because the first two kind of go together and the second two kind of go together. Oh, there's there's yeah. definitely a connection between them. Yeah. So Rachel, why don't you talk about this first one in particular? So the first one we think, we believe is the first sign of a successful education is children who love reading. And this was just the core, the backbone, the foundation of everything we did here in our homeschool. And we spent hours, literally hours, every day reading together as a family. A variety of different subjects, a variety of different genres, a variety of different locations. I know we read out on the porch, we read out on a blanket, we read at the park, we read at the airport, we read in the car, we read on the sofa, we read in bed, we read in the floor. We read and we read and we read and we read. And by so doing, we passed on successfully to the children a love of reading. And I I remember it's been several Christmases ago now, although it has been perpetuated. And that is when it comes time for birthdays or Christmas, it always just blesses my socks off to see 
almost without exception, the top thing that the kids ask for are really good books. Well, and I remember one time our oldest, who I'm going to share some things that will set you free on reading, but just to give you the quick heads up right now, he uh, read when he was about 10 or 11 years old. So he was was on the later end of the bell curve, Mm -hmm. and uh, he more than made up for any, quote, lost time. Mm -hmm. And sometime about at the end of his sophomore or junior year of college, at the Christmas break, he's, he's in college. He's reading big, thick books, right. and he asked for the equivalent of 3,500 pages worth of other books to read. Right, on, on Christmas break, that's what he wanted to do. So, yeah, there's a couple of things there. One of them is kids are going to read when it's time for them to read. And in the meantime, yes, you lay the foundation. Yes, you do the phonics, uh, A, Apple, A, right? You do all of that diligently. And you continue reading to them, and you continue reading to them, and you continue reading to them. And I know I thought initially that my reading aloud to the kids would stop right when they were all reading, like we're sort of done with that, right? Y'all don't need me to now do this Now they can read anymore. on their own. Right. But it didn't stop. We read the whole 26 years to all of the kids for hours every day. You, including high school, which is an important point. And it was glorious. And I, Andrew Poudwa talks about this, too, about the value of continuing on in family reading time, regardless of where everybody is in their own reading journey. You continue because it becomes a family thing that you're doing together. It's just like when all of your kids can cook, yay, but you still have meals together, right? You don't just all cook whenever and just everybody eats whenever, you still come around a common table. And it's the same with reading aloud. They are all going to, as they get older, they're all going to have different reading assignments, but you're still going to have a central title that you're coming around and discussing together. And we would say, in addition to the reading of God's Word, so you're coming around and reading God's Word together, but you're also reading some really good literature. And I want to say that's key. Let's not, let us not dumb down what we're choosing to read to our kids. There are some great reading lists out there. Um, Beware of those that are uh, trendy and hip and cool and go to something rock solid in terms of getting your list. Sarah McKenzie always has great lists in the the read read aloud revival. That's a mouthful. But there are other resources that you can get really good reading lists, but read aloud. Right. Well, and we, and we have a future series already planned for this podcast where we're going to go through a list of the books that we actually read to our kids. Some so of our you, can favorites. Be, you can be looking for that. Yeah. Don't panic because we can't go through the whole list, but so, we're going to um, choose some. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do want to say one last thing about the love of reading and then uh, keep going, but uh, this is the part to set you free. When does a kid learn to read? It's a bell curve. They don't all read when they're five or six, just so you know. Or three or the four. Average, I have some friends who the, had little, well, little kids. Oh boy, that's, that's super rare. Rare. But the average is eight years old, plus or minus three years. Okay, that's what the bell curve looks like. So yes, some kids read at five. Most kids read at eight, plus or minus a year. And some kids read when they're 11. If they don't read till they're 10 or 11, that doesn't make them a late reader it just means, like Rachel said earlier, every kid reads when they're good and ready. Mm-hmm. And so don't get discouraged if they're not reading when they're five or six. Don't panic. Uh, they will read. Persist and just continue to read together. And for, 
for heaven's sake, don't make them feel like they're behind. Right. And um, don't feel like you failed. It's just where you are. As you continue diligently, it really will come together. And especially, I'm going to make a plea for boys. So I have four sons, and my daughters read younger. But the boys are busy. They want they want to go and do things. They're busy. And so staring at type on a page is just not generally their favorite thing. But you can persist and be diligent and prayerful, and they will read. But your joy as you read, that's the other dimension we didn't mention. Not only did we read as a family, but you and I are readers. And so we wanted our kids to love reading, and so they emulate that as they see us reading, as we discuss what we're reading. So it's it's a full family thing. So exactly. the love of reading is number one. All right, and uh, sign number two related, a love of learning yeah. in general. And this goes to the comment that you hear so many kids in the institutional schools say so often that they hate right. school. It's wrong. Th- that is criminal. That is makes me so sad when I hear that. But you've heard kids say that, and if your kids are saying that, uh, you need to reinstitute the joy, the love of learning. And part of it is, do they see that you enjoy teaching them? As a homeschool parent, your kids are going to pick up whether or not you're enjoying this gig that you're doing or if you're seeing it as drudgery or a burden. So when you even change your own attitude and say, I love my kids, I love right. uh, homeschooling, I love learning, this is so exciting, kids. Today we're going to learn the following. We're going to do this activity, this experiment, to go on this field trip, visit this museum. This is going to be awesome. Exactly. And Really, I've, you know, I've talked to a lot of homeschool moms all the time, and one of the things that the ones who've gotten it get that is so liberating, and that is you don't have to know everything to teach your kids. A lot of the things, many, many, far more than should have been possible, I learned with my kids. Look, I came to home education with an undergraduate degree in education, Right. And when I started to teach my kids, I remember reading and studying science and math and history and English and literature and going, wait, why don't I already know this? Who never taught this to me? Why didn't I learn this in school? So that's one of the hidden joys, the hidden treasures of home education, I think, is if you let it, it can reawaken your love of learning as exactly. well. Exactly. I think that's actually pretty cool when moms in particular talk about that, but dads do. Yeah, and, and you know, they're even not applying to home education and learning. So I learned so many things with my kids through home education. I'm very, very grateful. But that also unlocks my love of learning that I want to learn something new, maybe cross-stitch or a new recipe or... I don't know, any number of how to garden. I love to garden or how to do something on the computer, which I'm not as good at. But I am encouraged that I'm learning these things with my kids and I can learn these other new things. And so not resenting, not knowing, not resenting having to figure something out, but embracing the opportunity of learning something new and showing your kids what that looks like and doing it together. So this whole idea of loving learning. And I I think we also have an opportunity to expand that with our kids. I don't know if you remember this, but... When everybody was here and it was really busy and chaotic and we never would have been able to record a podcast <laughs> like this. I mean, I'm sitting here in the silence of an emptiness going, 
this is really remarkable. Anyway, I remember not allowing my kids to say they hated X. For me, part of cultivating this love of learning meant setting a framework around what we were trying to accomplish in our homeschool as ultimately an opportunity given to us by the hand of God that we could take full advantage of. And I get it. Math is really not my thing. You know that more than anybody else. It's just not my thing. But choosing to hate math is not going to help me. And actually, I would suggest it's an affront to the Almighty. If he's giving me an opportunity to learn something, it would honor him if I take full advantage of that. Now, that might mean, for math for me, that I have to apply every brain cell that I have available. Whereas if it's literature, walk in the park for me. I get it. But so as we went through our homeschool journey with the kids and we were learning a variety of different things from spelling rules to Latin to math to literature, as we were doing these, different ones of the kids would go, I hate X. And I would be like, yeah, no, that's too much energy. Let's use that energy. Well, and there are some things that are appropriate to hate. Sin, evil. But not math. Right. Not fractions, not spelling rules, not Latin. So let's let's guard our kids against hating things that don't deserve that kind of energy. And let's try to train them to see these opportunities as as opportunities to honor God. And we honor God by taking advantage of the chance he gives us to learn something. Right. All right. So some might say that those first two signs, a love of reading and a love of learning— are plenty. If you got that, you're good. What what else could these other two signs possibly be? Well, number three, I think you'll see the immediate, oh, of course, and that's a love of wisdom. Mm. Because if, if you have a bright child, a knowledgeable child who is good at reading, loves reading, devours books, that loves learning, wants to j- just take it all in, but if they don't have wisdom, then you don't you don't want to be around that kind of a person if they can't apply their knowledge in a wise and understanding way. Right. And wisdom for the purpose of this discussion is the right application of knowledge, the God-honoring application of knowledge. And I would say that one of the dangers is the institutions, the government schools' objective is to raise kids who score well on standardized testing and can make them get points to be an awesome, outstanding institution. That's not our objective. Our objective is to raise kids who take advantage of the God opportunity given to them to exercise their mind and to learn what they can so that they can apply it in such a way that he is glorified. That's wisdom, that they would take the knowledge that they're learning and their understanding and seek to say to God, okay, how can I use this for your glory? You've given me this gift to understand math. You've given me this gift to understand language. You've given me this gift to be an artist or an athlete. Now, how do I take this gift? Give me the wisdom to know how to take this gift that you've given me and honor you with it. That's a love of wisdom. Right. That's right. And Proverbs 9.10 is one of of several verses that reminds us that the fear of the Lord 
is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One results in understanding. And I love 2 Peter 1.3 that reminds us that the knowledge of Christ gives our, us and our kids everything we need for life and godliness. So you notice we didn't say reading, writing, and arithmetic. A love of reading, a love of learning, and a love of wisdom. And Christ specifically gives us everything we need. Not pretty much everything we need, but everything we need for life and godliness. And if we really believe that, then in a sense, you'll narrow the scope of what you're teaching your kids because you can't fit it all in. We've already stated that. Some people would like to think they can, but you know you're not going to be able to fit it all in. And your kids are going to learn things after they have graduated high school in your homeschool or in any school. And so what are the most important things to give your kids? And it's not just wisdom. It's God's wisdom. It's a knowledge of Christ. So that takes us to the fourth sign of a successful education, and that is a love of God. So I saved this one for last because when we were starting our homeschool journey and considering the three R's, reading, writing, arithmetic, and uh, wanting to come up with our own family homeschool goals, what are we trying to accomplish? We came up with three R's of our own, which happen to be relationships, reasoning, and resolve. But the most important goal of our homeschool was relationships. And then you think, well, what are those relationships that we want to really prioritize? The relationship with God was first. Then with us as their parents. Then with their siblings. Then with the rest of the world, with others, their, their neighbor. And that order matters. Yeah. That order and really matters. And so you've matters. got to love God first. Right. And so when, you, when your kids uh, fall in love with God... Um, and, and when you teach them diligently, when they rise up, when they lie down, when you sit, when you walk along the way, that's the greatest thing you can do in life is to love God yourself. And it's the greatest thing your kids can do. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? His answer was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He was referring to Deuteronomy 6, to teach this to your kids diligently. You know, every day when you rise up, lie down, sit and walk along the way in every application of life. And homeschooling is one of the best ways to accomplish this. Yes. And what I loved about it was as their primary teachers, you and I here in the home, when they were coming to us with questions concerning their curriculum or their studies, and as they got older, questions about relationships, right? We were able to put those in the context of the love of God. What does it look like to love God when you're doing your math or when you're trying to do this project with your sister or when you're in conflict with your brother or with your father or your mother? We were able to put this lens on the situation that we needed to make sure that how we were responding in word and deed reflected a love of God. And yet I want to say, you know, having graduated everybody and launched everybody, which is still new enough to be a tender spot, they're on a journey, right? I mean, our objective in our homeschool was to initiate this love of learning. I love how Ted Tripp talks about that parents are to hold up before their children a holy, almighty God and say to them each day, oh, my children, that you would know God, that you would know God. 
And we had an opportunity, and however imperfectly we did that, worshiping God, teaching our kids about God, it's the beginning of their journey. And even now as they're launched, every time we talk to the kids, I know every time I talk to the kids and you talk to the kids and we, they're struggling here, they're having a problem here, they're challenged by this, this is an obstacle, we continue to point them to God and to honoring God and to word and to deed. This is, this is the whole thing, That's is right. that they would continue to live out their love for God. That's right. You know, a lot of folks will look at homeschool families and they, they see good fruit and they might even describe them as well-adjusted. Uh, and it's like, well, what is different about them? They, they tend to look people in the eye and give hearty handshakes and respect their elders, and they can actually engage in a conversation with people older than themselves and younger than themselves. And we would actually call this good socialization, which is certainly accurate, but I would say it's because they value relationships, mm-hmm. a love of God, a love of their parents, honoring and obeying them, a love of their siblings, their family, a love of neighbor, others. So they value relationships. Uh, we would sum it up in this fourth sign, a love of God. Mm-hmm. So you got a love of reading, love of learning, a love of wisdom, and a love of God. That's what we propose to you as four signs of a successful education. Well, it's time to bring this conversation to a close. Thank you for joining us and listening. We hope you'll join us again next time. This is Let's Talk Homeschool, and we are your hosts, Davis and Rachel Carmen. We want to thank our sponsor, Apologia Educational Ministries. Their mission is to help homeschooling families learn, live, and defend the Christian faith. Apologia wants to help you have the most Christ-centered, family-oriented, creation-based, successful, and satisfying homeschool experience possible, and that's why they put together a homeschool boot camp. It's a 100-minute video course that you can access for free. If you're considering home education, just started but struggling, or tired and you just don't know where to turn, then you need to enroll in Apologia's Homeschool Bootcamp. Go to apologia.com backslash bootcamp. A great place to get started on your home education journey. Have a great day, and until next time, we are walking by faith and enjoying the homeschooling adventure of a lifetime.